0: In episode 240, I mentioned 10 cheap or free things that you can do right now to improve your health. It was a very popular show, and I've been asked in my Facebook Vitality Radio listeners group to do even more. As I sat down to come up with 10 more, I came up with 10, actually 12 of them, in just about 10 minutes. So this is going to be a series for a while because there are a lot of awesome cheap or free things that you can do today to improve your health and the health of your family. I love sharing these things because I hear these types of comments all the time. It's expensive to live a healthy lifestyle. Organic food costs so much more and I can't do too many things all at once because of my budget. And listen, I get it. Even for one person, this stuff can add up. Gym memberships, organic food, supplements, integrative medicine docs that aren't on your insurance, massage, chiropractic, it can all seem overwhelming and, frankly, out of reach for many of us. And when you're raising a family, you have to multiply these things by the number of bodies in your household. I really do get it. I get that point very well. At one point, I had six kids in my house. Four of them were high schoolers. It can be a lot. That is why today is all about things that you can do that won't cost you anything or hardly anything. And all of these things make a small, if not a huge, difference in your health. And you can start doing all of them right now. If you didn't hear the first 10, go back to episode 240. These aren't in any kind of order, so you can feel free to listen to today's show first and then go backwards. These are all just. Individual things that, when we stack them on top of each other, especially can make huge, huge changes in your health. And for more amazing tips, you should really consider joining the Facebook listeners group. I know I mentioned it most every week. And the reason for that is because every week I get more people joining that are really glad to be there, that are engaged and excited about sharing the things that they've learned that have helped them and their kids uh, achieve better health. And ask questions of other people in the group. Plus, I'm in there every single week, really every single day, uh, posting questions and comments, answering questions, and giving away stuff. This week, we gave away five bottles of product, a couple of bottles of Berberine, a bottle of my new Vital Sleep formula, and two of my brand new Anxiety Release formula. So it's can pay to enter. You know, We're under 200 members still. Not too hard to win some of the contests, and it's free stuff to try. And this show is all, this episode anyway, is all about cheap and free things that you can do to improve your health. So if you have questions about anything you hear on today's show, of course, remember that Vitality Radio is always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful, Utah, and by extension of that, VitalityNutrition.com. You can call us at 801-292-6662. You can hit me up on Instagram at Jared Saint, and you can also uh, check out our store online at vitalitynutrition.com. Okay, without any more hesitation, let's jump right into part two of 10 free or cheap things that you can do right now to improve your health. All right, we have, there's so many good things here. I think this list is even more exciting than the first one I delivered, which we're the first 10 off the top of my head that I think are awesome, uh, but I'm really excited to deliver this one. We're going to start with a simple one, but it's one that likely, if you look yourself in the mirror, you're not going to be able to say you don't do probably a little too much of, and that's eating out. You know, an average fast food meal now with the way inflation is going is 6 to $8 for kids meals are getting close to $5 and more than $5 some places. Fast, casual foods like Chipotle, you're going to spend about 12 bucks at a place like that. And when you sit down, you're going to be $13 to $20. That's at places like Applebee's, Texas Roadhouse, uh, Five Guys, and so on. And if you really want to spend more money, sit down at a fancy restaurant. Flemings will cost you about $70 per head. Yes, it can get crazy. Now, I get it. We live in a time when eating at home is challenging for a variety of reasons. Time not being the least of those reasons. It's difficult to take the time to make a good nutritious meal, but you know, there's a heavier price than just the dollars that we spend eating out. And that price is, of course, getting the crappy food that we're getting when we do eat out. We don't have control of the quality of the food in these places, particularly the fast and fast casual places. But even the places that are not fast food aren't optimal for our health. And you know that intuitively. We also know that making a meal can, if planned correctly yield leftovers so you can get two or even three meals out of a good healthy meal and you're going to save a ton of money which then frees up cash to spend on things like these therapies or supplements or whatever else that you'd like to try to improve your health so stop eating out as much as possible your body and your wallet will thank you now this one has to do with eating too and this is one of my very very favorites and it's taking a walk after meals. Now, there's some really, really great research on this that has been done, but let's first talk about kind of the why this matters. And there's a few reasons. Insulin sensitivity, are you familiar with the term? It's a really commonly used term now. A lot of us have heard of it, but I'm not sure how many people actually understand what the heck it means it really means how sensitive is your body to the insulin that your pancreas is producing to help lower and manage blood glucose levels after we eat primarily carbohydrates. As we understand insulin sensitivity or the lack thereof, we can understand a lot about our metabolic health, what's actually happening at the metabolic level of our bodies. So when we eat a meal, the amount of glucose or sugar in the blood increases. This increase is sensed by the cells in your pancreas and insulin is released into the blood as a response. It then travels around your body and tells the cells to increase your uptake of glucose, thus causing a reduction in blood sugar. This is important because extremely high levels of blood sugar can have a myriad of negative health effects. And this essentially ensures that this does not happen. However, under certain circumstances, often in response to chronic elevations in blood sugar, Now, what does chronic mean? Consistent, meaning, you know, we're eating too many starchy carbohydrates and sugars and things like this, and this is happening over and over and over again. Then our cells start to become resistant to insulin. We don't want this. And they don't respond to the release of insulin very efficiently. In turn, your pancreas produces even more insulin leading to high insulin levels in your blood, which is known as hyperinsulinemia. That it's a little bit of a tongue twister. This creates a feedback loop where your cells become increasingly resistant to insulin and your pancreas is forced to secrete larger amounts of insulin to get a response. This leads to a chronic rise in both insulin and blood sugar. This causes weight gain and makes it much harder to achieve weight loss but it also causes brain fog, fatigue, mood imbalances, and a variety of other issues. If you deal with it long enough, it can even cause type 2 diabetes. What is amazing is that simply walking after meals can reduce blood sugar very effectively and also reduce the need for our pancreas to work so hard producing so much insulin in the process. This leads to more insulin sensitivity, instead of less and better weight and mood management. And of course, the prevention of diabetes. So the question is, how, how do we do it? How do we make this work? And it's actually more simple than you might think, but it is very much a habitual thing. Now, remember, this is 10 cheap or free things. This one's free. It's just getting up and walking. Optimally, within about 30 minutes after eating, uh, preferably even right after we stop eating, seems to be a great time to do it for most people and for most meals. So, within 30 minutes after eating, and how long? Well, believe it or not, it only takes about 15 minutes to make a big difference, and 30 minutes is even better. So, I would aim for at least 15 minutes of a nice walk. It doesn't even have to be super brisk, but you know, keep it at a good pace with. And we do know that even clinically, a few minutes is still very beneficial, as little as 100 seconds. That's not even two minutes, right? So there's some really interesting stuff we've sh- they've they've shown in the studies. But the studies seem to point to 15 minutes being kind of that optimal minimum that we want to shoot for. And what I love about this is you're really killing two birds with one stone, because this also counts as exercise. Imagine that if just two of your meals a day, you took a 15 minute walk after those two meals, your two larger meals, maybe lunch and dinner, that would add 3.5 hours of exercise to each week. And listen to the research that's been done on just 2.5. Extra hours of exercise per week. Researchers found that people who spent just two and a half hours per week exercising were far less likely to suffer heart attacks, stroke, or cardiovascular disease, and in general were far less likely to die. Specifically, the Lancet study, which followed 130,000 people, so this is a big study, in different countries over an average of seven years found that those who put in at least two and a half hours of exercise each week had a 28% reduced risk of premature death and a 20% reduced risk of heart disease, the biggest killer in America. That is huge. And that's at just two and a half hours. So remember, if you're walking 15 minutes twice a day after meals, that's three and a half hours. Now, listen to this the great news about this particular study is that the exercise quote unquote exercise that they did was not CrossFit level intensity or even 30 minutes of running on a treadmill. The paper suggested that just walking and doing household chores for those 150 minutes each week resulted in much healthier participants, just the same as putting time in at the gym. So there's some really, really cool stuff to unpack here. But for those of you who have children especially young children, I would encourage you to start doing this as a family. Oh, how I wish I had done this. Take 15 minutes, even if it's just after dinner when the family's together, hopefully having dinner together, and go for a walk. Go for a walk around the block. Talk about the things that the family needs to talk about. Enjoy nature. Point out the beauties of nature to your children and get them in the habit of moving. We know, we know, all of us know that we're doing too much time on the screens, especially our children, and not enough time off our butts and up moving. So let's get them moving and do it as a family. 15 minutes after meals, huge, huge difference in prevention of heart disease, cardiovascular disease of all kinds, and insulin, sensi- or insulin insensitivity, insulin resistance is as is what that's known as and eventually even diabetes. These are big things from a pretty small practice. And I encourage you to check it out, do it, try it for a month and see how you feel. I think it'll change your life. I really do. One of my favorites and one that is a very least favorite of some of my more warm blooded friends is to take a cold shower. Yes, a cold shower, especially in the morning. Check out the benefits that we know of for sure. And there's a lot of benefits that are still being discovered. It can calm itchy skin because the cold is anti-inflammatory. So if you deal with eczema, psoriasis, things like that, or just general itchiness, as I scratch the back of my neck because of, I think that's a psychosomatic thing, uh, it can calm the itchy skin it wakes you up. It really does. It increases circulation. It is quite shocking to the body and it gets you going. It also reduces muscle soreness post-workout because of the anti-inflammatory benefits of cold water. It is shown to potentially increase weight loss and it helps with healthier, more glowing hair and skin. Very, very cool stuff. This cold shower does not have to be 20 minutes long. There's a variety of ways you can do it. Um, I have done a few different things, but what I typically do is I will, if I'm going to take a quick shower, then I'll do it oftentimes just cold for just a couple of minutes, just real quick in and out. I don't have any hair to wash as you can probably see. And uh, so it's pretty easy for me. If I'm gonna take a longer shower, then I will do one of two things and I've experimented with it quite a bit. But what I like to do is I like to start uh, just with warm water, not super hot, but warm water, Uh, do all the washing that I want to do, and then spend about two minutes in the cold, flip it all the way to the other side, let out a yelp, which I almost always do, and enjoy the invigorating impact. Of that, there is some very good evidence that not only does it increase circulation, but can actually increase metabolism and it definitely wakes you up. So it's great, great, great in the morning, especially. I also have integrated breath work into that and we'll do a variety of different breaths when I'm in the cold shower. This is, it's so good. It's so good. You've got to try it. Toughen up if you're thinking this sounds awful and give it a shot. It will be good for you. Okay, number 14, and I'm going uh, in the teens because I did 10 on episode 240. So this is number 14 uh, so far, and it is basic calisthenics. Now, if you're old like me, I'm going to be 50 tomorrow. Holy smokes. I don't even know how that happened, and it doesn't seem real, but it is real. I checked the calendar and my birth certificate, and uh, yeah, even my driver's license says I'm going to be 50. So calisthenics, man, it's kind of a thing of the past. Nowadays, we call it body weight exercise or body weight resistance exercise. There's a few different names for it, but we're talking basic stuff, push-ups, pull-ups, jump, jumping, lunges, uh, uh, jump rope is a good one, all those types of things. For example, a pull-up, doesn't just work your biceps, right? It also relies on your back and core muscles and most body weight resistance exercise or calisthenics do that. So what you're doing is you're actually improving overall musculature throughout the entire body. And of course you're moving. And We just talked about how important movement is. Imagine that 15 minutes of walking twice a day, and then adding 15 or 20 minutes of calisthenics, even a few times a week. Now you're really cooking with gas when it comes to improving your musculature, your metabolic, um, health and wellness, prevention of disease. This is really, really big. So how does body weight exercise, body weight resistance exercise really work? Well, there's a variety of things you can do, right? You can do it with zero equipment. You can do push-ups. you can do pull-ups if you uh, have something to pull up on, or you can invest a few bucks in a pull-up bar or a chin-up bar. Uh, You can do jumping lunges, those are free. You can Google this and find a hundred different exercises. You can also invest like I did in about about 80 bucks worth of resistance bands. And you can go with resistance bands, which can be very, very effective for this as well. But you burn more calories doing this than you do with um, common cardiovascular activities like the treadmill or the bike. And I personally think it's more fun. Now I like riding my bike, getting out on the road and riding my bike. And I love walking. I like being out in nature more than I like being in the house, but you can do these things out in your yard too, or down at the park. There's some really, really good options for you, and uh, you will burn more calories than you will just jumping on the treadmill. It's better for your body in a variety of different ways. Uh, For one thing, it's easier on the body. You're far less likely to get injured, and injury, of course, can lead to, well, less exercise, right? More weight gain, things like that. You tend to recover quicker from these types of exercises as well. And not only will it build great functional strength, making everyday tasks easier, but by reducing stress on your joints while building the strength, it results in the longer lifespan of those joints. In other words, less things like arthritis coming up down the road. It improves endurance, uh, makes a big, big difference. It's cheap or free. Cheap if you buy a little bit of equipment, most of which are going to be one-time expenses or free if you just do it with just your body. And- you don't have to spend time getting to the gym. You don't have to spend time on the gym membership. And these are also things that you can teach your kids to do along with you and get them in the habit while they are young. I love calisthenic exercise and, uh, am making it a bigger part of my life. And, and along with these, I mean, th- these things that I'm sharing with you, I don't do all of them consistently and exercise has I love sports. I love playing sports. and You can get me out there playing basketball for hours. I love it. But just exercise for the sake of fitness has never been a passion of mine. I'm much more passionate about supplements and things like that, that I talk about here on the show, but I'm working into these things. And one of the things I love about doing Vitality Radio is it encourages me to live a healthier lifestyle. And I fully intend to do that uh, by increasing more of this calisthenic stuff, walking more after meals and so on. Number 15, swap out your chapstick for a natural one. Now you may have already done this, and if you have Bravo, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but if you're using something like chapstick or, uh, I don't know what lip, I think there's one called lip savers. I don't even know what all the brands are. I know chapstick because of Susie chapstick. Uh, but if you've swapped for a natural one or what seems to be a natural one, get on EWG and check it out, EWG.org and make sure it's a good one. And I personally would ditch the Burt's Bees, probably the most, the best selling natural, uh, lip balm out there because it's owned by Clorox and I don't want my money going to Clorox. It's really that simple. Plus, I don't really trust Clorox that much. Uh, Burt's Bees used to be a great natural brand. Mm, Not so much anymore, Uh, although still better than ChapStick and a lot of the other things. Mainly what you're trying to get away from are petroleum byproducts. So make sure your ChapStick or Lip Balm doesn't have any of those in there. Your local farmer's market probably has one made out of natural beeswax or coconut oil or something like that. Uh, And you can certainly find great options at your local health food store as well uh, how about ditching the neosporin you know neosporin is uh, well awful I've talked about it many times but uh, this is one where you can again uh, for very very little money if if any uh, when you're well I'm gonna say throw away your neosporin but if you're really a penny pincher, hold on to it use it up I guess but it's bad for you I don't like it it's got three different antibiotics in it If you listen to Vitality Radio at all, you know how I feel about antibiotics. Even topically, we want to get rid of those things as much as we possibly can. ASAP or silver biotics, colloidal silver gel is to the rescue. So much better, super effective, as effective without all the toxic chemicals, without the petroleum byproducts, without the xenoestrogens or the endocrine disrupting chemicals, none of that stuff, and it still provides the same level of protection. So swap your Neosporin for colloidal silver gel. Okay, number 17, fix your laundry detergent. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you're using Tide still and you're listening to this show, you haven't been listening for very long, (laughs) or maybe you're just a little stubborn, and that's okay. We can all be a little stubborn sometimes, but let's get rid of that stuff. These toxic ones, Well, they're not good at all. They're loaded with endocrine disruptors. And one thing that's important to understand, I was actually doing a little study on this earlier this week. And I have to say, I believe it was natural nurse mama on uh, Instagram. And I hope I'm crediting the right person. Uh, But uh, she actually listed the, you know, her favorite ones. And what was interesting was uh, years ago, I used to get the free and clear, uh, Kirkland uh, laundry detergent because it didn't have any scent in it. Uh, and I don't like the scents, the VOCs, volatile organic compounds are bad for us. Uh, for the most part, at least the chemical ones are um, the man-made ones, I should say. And uh, this one didn't have that. It didn't have any artificial colors or any of that kind of stuff. But you know what? I haven't used it in years because I switched to a cleaner, better one. I now use one called Molly Suds. But I went on EWG.org just to see what the ratings were on all these things. Molly Suds gets an A, which is great. Uh, They're graded just like test papers in in grade school. And uh, you know that old Kirkland one that I used that I thought was so much cleaner? It's an F. So even guys who have been educated on this stuff sometimes buy the hype when it comes to the marketing. And you got to be careful with that. There's a lot of marketing smoke screens out there. So don't just buy it because it says it's clean. Do your own research. EWG.org is a great place to start. It's not perfect, but they've got some really good information on there and largely can inform your decisions pretty effectively and uh, just get a different laundry detergent. Now I say this is cheaper free, right? These are cheaper free things. And you might be thinking if you haven't used a natural laundry detergent, they're going to be a lot more expensive. Not so. Uh, Molly Suds, my bag that I use, has, does 120 loads in a high efficiency washer, 120 loads, and it cost me about 20 bucks. It's not expensive. And you can do the same thing with your dishwasher. Uh, and you can get little pods that work in your dishwasher that are clean as well. Uh, but your laundry, which you're you know probably doing more of, especially if you have a family, and which you then wear, uh, and uh, isn't you know completely rinsed off uh, the same way on clothing as it is uh, on plates and cups and glasses and things like that you really want to fix your laundry detergent. Molly Suds is my personal favorite right now. I've used a few. I've used grandma's and grandpa's, uh, both brands that make natural laundry detergent. And I'm investigating, uh, I'm actually ordering about five new ones that I'm going to try out myself because I want to give the best recommendations that I possibly can. And you will see social media posts on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, once I've, Tested them out and you know, how do they work? How do they smell? What's the cost? All that kind of stuff. I'm gonna do my own research and check this out. And I will report back to you here on Vitality Radio as well as in my social media uh, places. But for now, if you can find Molly's Suds, uh, we have it at Vitality Nutrition. It's also found in a lot of health food stores out there, and you can certainly buy it online as well. I would start there if you're not sure where else to start because I've used it. It works, and uh, it's pretty inexpensive, and it's very, very clean. Okay, how about number 18? this is one of my favorites. This might be my favorite on the whole list. And for some of us, it's not that hard. And for others, it's an adjustment, a real shift in habits. So when I drive to Vitality, uh, I I, I live about four minutes, five minutes, depending on traffic lights, maybe six minutes from my store. And I, it's on a busy street. If you're not from the area and haven't been to Vitality, we're on 500 West, they call it the old highway 89 and Bountiful. And we've been on that road for years and years and it's gotten busier and more traffic year after year after year, which is great for us, but kind of a drag if you're, you know, driving down that road. And one thing that's recently happened just in the last, uh, I'm going to say four or five years now is they opened up one of these designer soda shops. Now, if you have these in your town, you know what I'm talking about. If you're in Utah, you've heard of it. It's Swig. Uh, And uh, these are all over the place. There's a whole bunch of different brands. But basically, they take your soda, your Dr. Pepper or whatever it is, and they can make you a dirty Dr. Pepper. I don't know what that means, but they add some sort of syrup to it that's probably loaded with horrible things, as if the Dr. Pepper wasn't dirty enough, right? Uh, or they can make you, you know, a variety of different types of Sprite or lemonade or whatever, and then they sell sugar cookies and crap like that. Well, here's what I've noticed. There is an addiction that is perhaps stronger than cocaine, and that is soda. Um, I On 500 West, which is a 40-mile-an-hour road, I have to stop behind cars that are waiting out into the street, sometimes three or four cars deep to get through the drive-through. And keep in mind that there's a parking lot in there. And I would say that if it's three or four cars out in the street, it's probably about 12 or more cars that are in that drive-through at any given time. In fact, it's very often, it's not all the time, but it's very often that there's a car in the street or more uh, blocking traffic, causing a traffic hazard, because I guess when people see the drive-through and there's only eight or nine cars in front of them, they think, well, I've got to have my fix, so I'm going to do it anyway. So the next tip that is free, that will save you money every single time, at least if you do it, Uh, without bottled water, is to drink water instead of pretty much anything else. Coffee, tea, milk, juice, soda, uh, uh, sparkling water even, which uh, costs money, right? Plain old water is indeed what we were designed to drink. It is the most hydrating of all drinks. Uh, It is, uh, and and don't throw Gatorade at me or Powerade. We're going to have a fight because those things are horrible. Yes, they have some sodium and potassium in them along with bromated oils, artificial colors and flavors, artificial sweeteners in many cases, high fructose corn syrup or glucose syrup. And of course, they are really not that hydrating because the type of minerals that are in there and the limitation to just potassium and sodium, when most of us are most deficient in magnesium, just doesn't do that much for you. So water wins. Water always wins. Tap water doesn't win. Okay. There is that caveat. Tap water doesn't win. And optimally bottled water isn't great either. It's been in a plastic bottle. It's been shipped all over the place. And we don't know exactly where they're getting their water from. Uh, unless you do your research. And in some cases, it's pretty good quality stuff in there. But optimally, you're getting water from a clean source. I personally use the local well, and there are wells all over the place. You can actually Google well water near me, and you can find a well that is most likely free. uh, And you can just go fill up your water directly from under the ground where it has not been coming to contact with all this crap that the rest of the water has come into contact with, which then has to be purified. But you can purify your water. And even a Brita pitcher or something like that, it beats the heck out of tap water. I mean, it's a huge improvement. Uh, Reverse osmosis is my personal favorite. And then what I do myself in about 90% of the bottles of water that I drink, which I drink in my stainless steel water bottle, uh, which keeps it cold all day, which I love, and also is clean because the stainless steel doesn't leach, is I add electrolyte drops. My personal favorite at the moment is the Endure Drop product from Trace Minerals. Uh, Endure Drops, which uh, we do have on the website, vitalitynutrition.com, if you want to check them out. They're economical. They don't add flavor to the water. They do seem to add a little bit of what I call body to the water. Uh, Just makes the water more balanced feeling. I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't feel hollow uh, like purified water sometimes can uh, or distilled water. But you add those minerals. I do about a drop per ounce or a drop in every other ounce, depending on how much water I'm drinking versus how much exercise uh, or activity I've been undertaking. And what I do is I add that to the water and I have my water bottle, which is a 24 ounce water bottle. And I drink at least uh, three to four of those, usually about four of those per day. And I do that because I'm aiming for somewhere in the neighborhood of around 60% or so of my body weight in water, depending again on my level of activity. Now, 50 to 60%, there's a lot of a lot of uh debate about how much water we need. There are some people online that say just drink when you're thirsty, that's all you need to do. I'm not entirely sure that that's not true, but there is some pretty good research that would indicate we need to drink a little bit more than that. And uh I I like as a rule of thumb personally, and I would not claim to be an expert on this, at least shooting for 50 to 60% of your body weight in ounces of water. So, purified water reverse osmosis is awesome. Well water is even better. If you know you can get good, clean spring water, then that's great. Or if you've got a place locally that makes distilled water, uh, then you can do that as well. Just make sure you're adding adding minerals back into that water because when you distill it, when you put it through reverse osmosis, you are purifying it, but you're also removing most or all of the minerals, which then makes the water far less hydrating as opposed to more hydrating. Okay, so that is number 18. Now, number 19, I've got a little bit of, uh, I've got an audio clip I'm going to play for you that I actually found on YouTube. And if you're not familiar with this guy, you know, I kind of hesitate to say this because I do two shows a week and I know your time is valuable and I really don't want you to listen to anything instead of me. (laughs) I'm selfish like that. Yes, I know but, and I've got to get some uh, oil on this chair. I apologize for the squeaking. I've just noticed it today. But uh, regardless, there's a guy online every Monday uh, that puts out a podcast. His name is Dr. Huberman, Andrew Huberman, and his show is called Huberman Lab. Of all of the shows that are out there, I think his is probably the most educational show that I personally listen to on a pretty regular basis. I don't listen to it weekly. In fact, I don't even listen to it probably more than about once a month. Uh, But what I do is uh, he does very specific topics. And when I see a topic that's of great interest to me, then I'll flip on Huberman Labs. And I also watch a lot of YouTube clips because I love these little eight to 10 minute clips that give you some really great stuff in a nutshell. So you don't have to necessarily tune in for an hour and a half, two hours, which his podcasts are kind of on the longer side of things. But Huberman is awesome, and, and the reason I like him is he's, he's a very well-accredited researcher. He's an ophthalmologist and a neuroscientist. Uh, he focuses primarily on the neuroscience of the eyes, which are an extension of the brain. And he, his research is very, very, he's very critical, we'll say. Uh, a lot of research that comes across his desk, he doesn't accept, he doesn't feel like it's validated enough scientifically, but he does share the stuff that he thinks is scientifically valid. And what I really like about him is he seems to go uh, kind of three stages in terms of his preference. Stage one would be things you can do in your lifestyle that don't cost you anything or don't cost you much very much like what we're talking about on this show. And I'll probably bring more tips from him uh, in future episodes of this series of, you know, free and cheap things that you can do to improve your health. But his second thing would then be supplements or dietary changes. And then his third thing would be pharmaceuticals. He tries near as I can tell to really not recommend pharmaceuticals unless you have to for very specific things. And so while he isn't necessarily a, you know, a natural doctor so to speak, a naturopath or anything like that, he does tend to lean towards doing it the way nature would have you do it. And so I really I love the guy, I respect him. At some point I hope to uh get my podcast to the level that he would be a guest on this ep- on this podcast because He's fantastic. Check out Huberman Lab. Um, What I'm going to tell you uh, for number 19 has to do with viewing light, not just any light, but sunlight and how you should view sunlight in the morning and also how, what you should do with light in your home in the evening. And I'm not going to be able to tell it to you better than Dr. Huberman does. So I've selected about an eight minute clip Trust me, it's fascinating stuff. He was interviewed on on, uh, the Tim Ferriss podcast, and I want you to hear what he has to say about this. It has to do with our circadian rhythm because every single cell in our bodies is regulated by that circadian rhythm. And as he says, there's no coincidence that the sun rises and sets every 24 hours. And our body is designed to do the very same thing. And the light from the sun is one of the primary triggers for how well our body will do that. So listen to this clip. Uh, It's about eight minutes, so bear with me, but I think you're going to love it. And then we'll wrap up the show with my last couple of tips on free and cheap things that you can do to improve your health right now.
1: Our light viewing behavior has perhaps the strongest effect on our levels of alertness and our capacity to fall asleep and get a good night's sleep. And this is because at the fundamental layer of our biology, every cell in our body needs information about time of day. It's no coincidence that we have a collection of neurons over the roof of our mouth, the so-called suprachiasmatic nucleus. That's our central circadian clock. It informs every cell in our body about time of day, but it is deep in our brain. It has no access to light. So there are a collection of neurons in the eye, the so-called melanopsin ganglion cells or sometimes called intrinsically sensitive photosensitive ganglion cells these are just neurons in the back of your eye remembering of course that the eye is actually part of the brain that's outside the skull and those neurons communicate to the central clock when it's daytime and when it's night so the simple behavior that i do believe everybody should adopt including many blind people we've talked about why that is is to view ideally sunlight for two to 10 minutes every morning upon waking. So, when you get up in the morning, you really want to get bright light into your eyes because it does two things. First of all, it triggers the timed release of cortisol, a healthy level of cortisol, into your system, which acts as a wake up signal and will promote wakefulness and the ability to focus throughout the day. It also starts a timer for the onset of melatonin, this sleepy hormone or the hormone of darkness, as they say, melatonin is inhibited by light. So by viewing light, first thing in the day, you set in motion, these two timers, one for wakefulness that starts immediately and one for sleepiness that starts later. The key thing here is that people are hearing a lot nowadays about avoiding blue light. Blue light is so terrible. Well, it turns out that blue light is exactly the wavelength of light that triggers activation of these cells. And that's exactly what you want early in the day. So, people generally will say, well, maybe I should just look at my computer or my phone first thing in the day. Well, it turns out that these cells are very hard to activate early in the day and very easy to activate at night. So, it's kind of like the biology is encouraging us, if you will, to take on the right behaviors, which are to get outside, even if there's cloud cover. There's a lot more light energy, a lot more photons coming through cloud cover than you're going to get off your phone or a computer. And early in the day, two to 10 minutes outside without sunglasses is going to be really beneficial for a huge range of biological functions and brain state.
2: I have made a practice, I'm in the middle of nowhere in the country right now, of Of getting up and not necessarily doing a full workout, but just jumping rope for literally two to five minutes, two to 10 minutes outside facing the sun, where the sun is rising. And- there's certainly an effect. I mean, I am moving. So there's an effect on cortisol. And as you noted, it's like cortisol gets this ridiculously bad rap across the board. And it's like, guys, if you don't have cortisol, you're dead. So exactly. <laughs> if you like having storing glycogen and breaking it down into glucose and so on, you, you it's important to have some cortisol. There's a tremendous, for me, mood elevating effect of this exposure. And I'm just, I really have never familiarized myself with. The mechanism by which that would be the case. And certainly if it's placebo, I'm happy to just take placebo. But do you have any explanation for why that
1: exposure can have such a mood elevating effect? Yeah, it's definitely not placebo. That morning light exposure is going to also trigger the activation of dopamine release. You know, dopamine being this essentially feel good neuromodulator. The the best way to conceptualize dopamine is that, yes, it's part of the reward system, but it's really the molecule of motivation and positive anticipation that's really what it's about. And I should mention that the cortisol is going to be released in a pulse once every 24 hours, no matter what that's coming as we call it's an intrinsic rhythm, but you can time it by viewing light and, or by getting exercise early in the day. There are actually data to just kind of emphasize what happens when you don't do this. There are really nice data from my colleague, David Spiegel's lab. He actually co-published this with the great Bob Sapolsky, a few years ago. David's our associate chair of psychiatry at Stanford. And they showed that if that cortisol pulse shows up later in the day, and especially if it's around 8 or 9 p.m., then it's associated with depression. By shifting that cortisol pulse earlier in the day, you ameliorate some of the symptoms of depression. And because of the dopamine release, you get this overall mood enhancement. There are four things that really time our circadian biology and these mood mechanisms properly and align us for sleep. And they, the most powerful timekeeper, as they say, Zeitgeber, because Germans discovered this mechanism initially. So the most powerful timekeeper, Zeitgeber, Zeitgeber. time giver, oh, there it is. I knew you'd do it better <laughs> than I would, is, is light. When you view light, light is the most powerful stimulus for your biology and central circadian clock. Then- It's exercise, so it's your protocol of jumping rope facing the sun. You're layering on timekeepers. You're giving more signals to the central clock and the rest of your body about when to be active. And you're also indirectly signaling when you will want to be asleep later. Then it's feeding. I know a lot of people fast through the early part of the day now. That's very fashionable, and I do that as well. But were you to eat early in the day, that can also help. And then the other one, is social cues. So interacting with people early in the day or with your dog early in the day, I have a dog, I live alone with my dog. So that's how I interact with the world socially, but those things are going to create wake up signals and your body will start to anticipate them and your brain will start to anticipate them such that if you miss it for a day, you're still going to wake up and feel that alertness signal early in the day. So this is not something that you have to do every day but ideally you do it every day because it's like setting a clock or a watch properly. And I should mention that for people that live in areas with very dense cloud cover, you can use light boxes and things of that sort, but irrespective of that in the morning and during the day, and anytime you want to be alert, you want to flip on as many overhead lights as possible. This is because these cells in the eye that trigger activation and alertness of the rest of the brain and nervous system reside in the lower portion of the eye. They view the upper visual field. Now, The inverse of all this is also important. As you approach the evening or nighttime and you want to go to sleep, that is a time to start avoiding bright lights of any color, not just blue light. And if possible, to place whatever lights are present in your environment lower in your visual field. So this would be desk lamps. Most people don't have floor lighting. Dim the lights. If you want to wear blue blockers or do something of that sort, that's fine. But I think people have taken the blue blocker thing a little too far by wearing them all day, that's actually going to disrupt your (laughs) circadian clocks. So in the evening, you really want to avoid bright light of any kind. And again, it's an averaging. If you do this every once in a while, you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night or you have an emergency and things are really bright for one night, it's not going to screw you up. However, there was a paper published in the journal Cell a few years ago by my good friend and colleague at the National Institutes of Mental Health. His name is Samer Hattar. He's the head of the chronobiology unit at the National Institutes of Mental Health. And what Samer's lab showed is that bright light exposure of any wavelength between the hours of about 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. cause a serious disruption in the dopamine system such that in subsequent days, you have a disruption in a lowering of mood, difficulty in learning. There's a cascade of things that happen In other words, we get punished for light viewing at the wrong times of the circadian cycle and we get rewarded for light viewing at the correct times of the circadian cycle. Mm.
0: Okay, the last thing that I wanna share with you now that you've listened to Dr. Huberman and Tim Ferriss talk about that. And if you have more questions about that, he's done full hour plus shows on that topic, by the way. So check them out. Uh, You can also uh, search him on YouTube and you'll find a million different clips of Dr. Huberman. So if you enjoyed that, You're welcome uh, if you didn't already know who he was because he's an awesome resource. Number 20 was actually given to me by someone in the Vitality Radio Listeners Facebook community, which again, I'm going to encourage you to join. We're getting multiple new members every single day, uh, and it's, it's a blast in there. You know, if if you get on social media and it's driving you crazy because of all the stressful stuff that your friends and friends of friends and Facebook friends that aren't really friends and family members and so on and so forth are posting, you know, about politics and about the politics of health, which I see a lot of that stuff in my feed, um, about inflation, or maybe you're just killing time scrolling. Maybe you're in that freeze mode that I talked about on uh, episode 249 which if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, I that was one of the few shows that immediately after it posted and was out long enough for people to listen that I got a bunch of people saying, Hey, that was a great show. I really, really found benefit from that. They're also free things. These are things that you can do to kind of hack into your subconscious mind to reduce or eliminate anxiety and depression. That's what episode 249 is about. But the reason I mentioned that is because I had a a listener in the the Facebook group that after I did this first episode uh on 10, you know, free or cheap things, she said I can't believe you didn't mention intermittent fasting. And I thought, "Huh, I can't believe I didn't mention intermittent fasting either." And it was with that conversation that I originally had the idea of, you know what, 10 things isn't enough. I'm going to do more of these shows. I'm pretty confident saying that we're going to do at least four or five or six of these things because there are so many things you can do that don't cost you anything that are still amazing for your health. And some of the mental, emotional things are actually stuffed into that episode 249. So intermittent fasting, what the heck is it? You, you've heard of it probably. It's, it's all over the place. If you've heard, heard of keto, you've probably heard of intermittent fasting and you may have heard of intermittent fasting with keto. Well, basically what we're looking at here is eating inside of a window, okay? Inside of a window. Now, 16:8 is probably the most common uh intermittent fasting that I see recommended, but you can do 15:9, uh you can do uh, even more aggressive intermittent fasting where maybe you're doing 18 and 6 or something like that. There are other people that do something called um, OMAD, OMAD. That's one meal a day. Now, this episode is not on intermittent fasting. I probably will do a full episode on intermittent fasting down the road. I keep saying I'm going to, but I just haven't done it yet. But uh, intermittent fasting is interesting when I give you those numbers, uh, you may have noticed all of those numbers added up to 24. So 16, eight would be you're eating within an eight hour window and you're fasting for 16 hours. So first let's talk about what fasting means. It means you're not taking in any nutrition or at least virtually no nutrition and definitely no calories. You're just drinking water. Now, some people say you can get away with coffee or tea, And I think that's probably true if you're not adding anything to the coffee or tea. Uh, But optimally, it's really just water. What happens with intermittent fasting is fascinating. And it's somewhat scientifically complex, which is why I'm not going to take the time to dig into it in depth today. But how can it help you? And, well how does it fit into this cheap and free or cheap or free? Well, for one thing, it doesn't cost you anything to do. And for another thing, you're almost definitely with intermittent fasting going to eat less calories, which means that it will save you money. And so some of these things are not just cheap or free, but are actually going to reduce uh, your expenditures, which is pretty cool. So what are the big benefits of fasting for that extended period of time? Meaning you're not eating at, you know, 8 a.m. and, and noon or one o'clock and and then again at six, most people are skipping the breakfast and then they're eating maybe at noon and six and that's their eating window is that six to eight hours of lunch and dinner. Other people, like I say, tighten it up. Maybe they don't eat until one or two o'clock in the afternoon and then eat at six or seven at night or something like that a lot of ways to do it. And I'm not going to say that I'm an expert on it, but I have experimented with it quite a bit myself. And I've seen really nice benefits when I do it. And I I kind of cycle in and out of intermittent fasting. It's something that I'm actually probably going to start doing again very soon, because I want to play with it a little bit more with some of the new knowledge that I've gained on intermittent fasting. But basically what it is, is you're giving your body a rest. You're giving your body a significant rest. A lot of people think that it's kind of anthropological anthropologically sound thinking, Uh, you know, kind of what our ancestors did because, you know, the hunter gatherer thing and all that, they, their schedule wasn't our schedule and they had to work to find their food a whole lot harder than we do going to the grocery store. And in many cases, we're only eating once or twice a day. Well, regardless of how it was then versus how it is now, here are the benefits that we, we know for sure uh, intermittent fasting can help to provide. First is thinking and memory. Many studies have discovered that intermittent fasting boosts working memory in animals and verbal memory in adult humans. That's pretty cool because that's one of the biggest things that people ask me about at Vitality Nutrition is how do I improve my memory? So intermittent fasting may do that. Heart health. Intermittent fasting improved uh, blood pressure and resting heart rates, as well as other heart-related measures in human studies. Physical performance, young men who fasted for 16 hours showed fat loss while maintaining muscle mass. Mice were fed on alternate days, Uh, who were fed on alternate days, showed better endurance in running, meaning they were doing 24-hour fasts, uh, eating one day, not eating the other, and got better endurance out of it. How's that for fascinating? Diabetes and obesity. In animal studies, intermittent fasting prevented obesity. And in six brief studies, obese adult humans lost weight through intermittent fasting. Now, there's a lot of reasons why people think it might work for weight loss, but the two biggest ones are, you're probably going to eat less calories overall, so, you know, less calories in. Usually ends up in weight loss, but also because your metabolism changes when you intermittently fast. And we'll talk about that more uh, in in more detail in a future episode. And then tissue health. In animals, intermittent fasting reduced tissue damage in surgery and improved the results of surgeries. Very interesting stuff. So intermittent fasting, uh, if you're going to give it a shot, it is one that you may want to run by your doctor, to, especially if you're diabetic or have uh, other you know, concerns uh, and uh, make sure that you're monitoring yourself closely and that you can do it safely and that it works for you. Uh, but uh, 16 hours and eight hours is where most people recommend starting. 16 hours of fasting followed by an eight hour winding of, window of eating. And uh, that also allows you to work it into your social arrangements pretty well because you can eat dinner with your friends or even lunch uh, if you do it that way. And uh, give it a shot for a few weeks and see how it goes. Again, I'm not your doctor and I'm not here to provide medical advice. So you can certainly check with your physician on this before you do it, Uh, but uh, as well as the exercise that I talked about at the beginning of the show. Okay, I have run out of time. I hope this list of another 10 free or cheap things you can do to improve your health right now has been helpful for you. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, Hit me up on Instagram at Jared St. Call us at Vitality 801-292-6662, or please consider joining our Facebook community. Uh, The link will be in the description below. Thank you so much for listening to me. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio.
2: don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.
1: Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.